All right, so this morning, uh, we're going to start Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. That's where we're going to start today. Um, Our topic in this last of a series of three, looking at the question, who am I in Christ? This morning, what we take away from the scriptures is, I am important. And I'm using a really simple sentence to summarize the scriptures that we're about to read. In Jesus, I find purpose, identity, and increased ability. So, uh, a moment ago, you heard me talk about how important um, the Glass family, the Tolliver family are to us. Um, Relationships can be so life-giving, so valuable, And when relationships are deep and meaningful, they're valuable not really primarily because of what a person does for you, but because of who the person is and what that means to you. I bumped into a a Baltimore friend um, yesterday who, in times where I've been weak and tired and discouraged, has been very encouraging to me. And he happened to be with his wife, who I'd only met once before. And I just, you know, lit up like a Christmas tree, like so happy to see him and, you know, shaking. And he's he's kind of a a esteemed gentleman, works for the state and is a pastor in the city, does a bunch of stuff. But he and I go way back, well, five years, in, in Baltimore time. You know, uh, and experiences and um, experienced a lot together uh, around the two years surrounding the death of Freddie Gray and uh, time on the streets together, different things. And he's a big time encouragement to me. And I'm, I'm a believer that we shouldn't wait until someone passes away to say the best things that we believe about them. But instead, we should celebrate them while they're living and, and celebrate them after they pass, to be sure. So it was fun. I was so, this, this man's wife was kind of surprised at how excited I was to see her husband. I guess she sees him every day. And, and so I just kind of felt the need to explain to her, like, why I valued him so much. Why even just, just seeing him was encouraging me. And that was fun. And um, I walked away realizing that this person is valuable to me, encourages my spirit. You are valuable. Today, this is a good word. This is an encouraging word. Look at somebody next to you. Come on, let's just be that kind of church for a quick minute. Look at somebody next to you and say, this is a good word. This is an encouraging word. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. Look at the person next to you and say, you are valuable. You are valuable. I am impotent. All right, so let's look at a few reasons from Scripture that we would, that we would say this and believe this, okay? So Matthew five thirteen and 14 says this. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus speaking to his followers. So if you're here and you're a Jesus follower today, pay attention. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as useless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So your life is valuable, and from this words of Christ, we would say, I'm the salt and the light of the earth. Okay, a little confusing, not really sure what that means. All right, let's look at the words of John, right? I'm sorry, John's witness of what Jesus said. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 5. 
Jesus said this, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus' followers would say, I'm a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I know some of you are thinking already, Pastor Ben, you already did a song from the 70s this morning. Now we're really hitting the 70s. All right? You, what Jesus is talking about is a life-giving, personal relationship where we choose to remain connected. So if I am connected to Jesus as a Jesus follower, I carry the presence of Jesus wherever I go, and that is the game changer. You are valuable. We're just going to massage this into your spirit with the scripture. Continuing in John 15 and verse 16, Jesus said, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. Well, Pastor Benny was just talking to Peter, James, and John. No, he wasn't. He was using an all y'all grammar, a plural, to all Jesus' followers. So you can say, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Sometimes we can check the God box in our mind, but not believe that God loves us to the point of enjoying us. And sometimes we can ask ourselves, does my life matter? Am I alone? Does God care about me? What does God think about me? How does God feel about me? I messed up. Too much. It's too late. I can't get it together. No one will ever care about hearing from me. We can feel these things, and they can become a part of our identity. They can be a lie that we're choosing to believe. A lie that we allow to stay in our living room. And listen, I I have not had a second cup of coffee yet, but I'm feeling spunky. It's time to kick those lies out of your living room. What is the truth that God has said? Am I believing a reliable truth? It's time for us to ask ourselves that question. You are valuable. It's a part of your identity. Look what Jesus said to his followers, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and to people of all ethnicities. That's what Jesus said. So, if I'm in relationship with Jesus, from that relationship, I derive my identity. This should be more influential in how you see yourself than who you vote for. There he goes, talking crazy in church. Well, the Bible says that we are Christians first before we are male or female. We can choose to identify as a Christ follower, and that choice can be more important, more influential than anything else. And it should affect how we relate to everyone else. It gives us identity, it gives us purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, 
Again, with the all y'all plural. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? There's that stuff I was talking about a minute ago. You're carrying the presence of God. Now, I can be aware of it or not, and to varied degrees. I can become overwhelmed with what's going on in my head, in my living room, in my life, in my workplace, in this city. I can be overwhelmed by those things. The scripture says in Romans 12, we should not be overcome by evil, but we should overcome evil with good. Well, I don't have a hope or a prayer of doing that if I don't know who I am in Jesus. In Jesus, I'm important. You are valuable. You are valuable. Come on, this is a good word. This is an encouraging word. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Do you notice that it does not say do good things so that you can become God's masterpiece? Man. I'm trying to use the scripture to dismantle wrong thinking. Somebody say thank you. I'm trying to help you. You are valuable. It does not say do good things so that you can become God's masterpiece. No. What does it say? For we are God's masterpiece. And who is he writing to? People that were jacked up. Read the whole letter. They had problems. They had mixture. They had folks worshiping demons and Jesus in the same house. They were sleeping around. They had all kinds of problems keeping their pants. I don't know what pants looked like back then. There was all kinds of problems in this place. And he writes to people with problems, with character flaws. Somebody say thank you. Come on, this is a good word, an encouraging word. And he says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. This must be a part of your spiritual identity. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's why we can say, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I know that this, some of this stuff might sound daunting, intimidating even, challenging. Only if we don't understand the truth. Here's the truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. And who you are is more important than what you do. You are valuable. God loved you before you repented. What do we see in the garden? They make the mistake. They do the one thing God asked them not to do. And then they turn away. Misjudging how God would respond. And does God punish them from a distance? No. He goes after them. He seeks them out. He's loving them. Did you know that God loves sinful people? The scripture says doing everything possible to give them an opportunity to turn around. That it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. 
God loves you. You are valuable. We got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God did not create you to do some stuff He can't do. He did not create you because He needed words of affirmation. What we see in the life of Christ is stories where God the Father speaks words of affirmation to God the Son. And God the Son speaks words of affirmation to God the Father. And God the Son gives words of affirmation to God the Holy Spirit. They're all affirming each other, loving on each other, loving and respecting each other. They didn't create us because they're needy. Somebody needs that revelation today because I'm just feeling it. And yet you are valuable. Who you are is more important than what you do. Okay, but then how? How can I live out this identity? How can I do these good things that God... Well, for one, because of Jesus, we have access. Now, to be sure, Pastor Rebecca and I are here to be helpful in your walk of faith. But we are not here to be the channel through which you relate to God. I am not a warlock. She is not a witch. We are not diviners. I pray for you, but I cannot pray your God to God. Is that too confusing? You don't come here and drop some money in and light a candle so that I will do your relationship with God. That's not how this works. Jesus came. When he died, the veil in the temple was rent. We have access. Access. You, in whatever state you are in, in whatever words you use, in fact, the scripture says, in your groaning, even when you don't know what to say, you have access to Jesus. Somebody say, I am valuable. Look at your neighbor and say, you are valuable. It's true. It's true. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which is really talking about the difficult days. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What does this mean? God, through Jesus, has given you access and ability. Only through God will you get the ability you don't have by yourself. God doesn't ask you to have a relationship with Him out of your own strength. If you're getting tired in your faith walk, maybe it's because you're doing it out of your own strength. Religious duty. That's not what God desires for you. Maybe you're spiritually sick and you need healing and restoration and receiving the love of God and being restored and being strengthened. And a part of that comes through truth. I I, I fear that some of us look at the story of Adam and Eve and some of the stuff we're reading in, in the Freedom Book and we think that God doesn't like curious humans. We think that God doesn't like learning. We think that God doesn't like us searching out the truth. That's not what's going on in this story. God blesses curiosity. God created creativity. God created curiosity. God wants us to ask the questions. 
In God's interactions with Job, he never puts Job down for asking the questions. God wants us to seek out, and in fact, it is this curiosity about God and our own identity in God that will bring us to a place of life-giving joy, of new spiritual strength, and an ability to live in delight and in love, and in a way that maybe you didn't think was possible. Maybe you don't think it's your personality. So some of you don't know this, but... I have a little bit of an artistic bent that I was born with. And that also comes with that melancholy. And dark days of depression. Sweeping my questions about God and myself under the carpet never led me to joy. Just listening to other people talk about God never led me to joy. Getting honest about my questions about God and then seeking the answers led me to joy. Getting real. Not wearing a mask. Wearing a mask never led me to joy. It was a time... I could not receive the good love that people were trying to show me. And I know some of you are experiencing that now. There are people in this room that are trying to love you, trying to encourage you, and you can't receive it. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just means there's pain. There's unresolved hurt. There's things that God wants to heal. And you cannot, you will not find that fulfillment and that healing in another human relationship. It's going to be walking Penub in all the wrong places. Walking Penub. So that's Eddie Murphy looking for love in all the wrong places. So it's interpretation. I will put making me happy on someone else and it will always be disappointing. Now be afraid of my questions about God and it will always lead me back to depression. I will isolate myself and not be honest and back away from relationships and that will always lead me back to depression. But if I will be honest about my questions about God, if I will seek out who God really is, if I will bring it to the light, if I will come honestly before God, seek Him out, listen to the truth, absorb the truth, digest the truth slowly like a really good meal, I will be changed. I will experience love like is found nowhere else. The historical writings about the reformers that were they're studying about this faith in Christ, this salvation through faith in Christ and the grace. The the, the historical writers describe them like a bunch of drunks. They were intoxicated so as to never recover. One description said it was like they went down into the basement and found the good stuff. That's what I found the love of God to be, to be intoxicating. That's why I desire it for you. And being honest about questions of identity is an essential part of this process. We get identity and purpose. We get access. We get ability. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So our basic sentence is, in Jesus I find purpose, identity, and increased ability. In Jesus, in Jesus, I find purpose, identity, and increased ability. Let me break it down into some shorter sentences 
What do we learn from these scriptures today? It's on the screen. You might want to say it to yourself. You might want to take a picture with your phone. You might want to you know, find it. We always put these up on, on the website. <clears throat> what do we learn from these scriptures? Well, number one, my life is valuable. You don't need to be loud. You don't need to be an extrovert. You don't need to be gifted the way that other people are. Stop comparing yourself. Stop it. Comparing, you're not like someone else. And thank God. Mark Twain said if the two always agree, one is not necessary. Some of you get that later. I'm really glad my wife is not just like me. That'd be weird. You are valuable. What we want to do is help you discover who God created you to be. It's not time for you to fit into somebody else's job description. Man, I don't know who needs this today, but I've got to preach into this. It's not a day for you to fit into somebody else's job description, somebody else's expectation of you, somebody else's expectation of what it means to be white, of what it means to be black, of what it means to be Asian, somebody else's expectation of what it means to be liberal, of what it means to be conservative, of what it means to be a Baltimore City resident. This is not the time or the day for you to live based on trying to please other people, living by other people's expectations and understanding. We serve the most creative being that has ever been or will ever be. God is creative. He doesn't want the church to be exactly the same as it was before. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Great is his faithfulness. But every morning, his tender mercies are new. He's got something new for you today that's not the same as yesterday. He created you to be you, to be uniquely you, to be perfectly you in that full expression. And sometimes what that means is that other people, they have you freeze-framed into a box. And I know the neighborhood that I grew up in, There are people who know me as, oh yeah, he's the one that stole. Oh yeah, he was the one always on a skateboard. He was the one who was a loner. He was the one that had those sexual issues. That's how some people view me. But who I am today is not the same as who I am yesterday. Is that true for you? Come on somebody, talk to me now. Is that true for you? Your life is valuable. God wants you to be who he created you to be. We want to help you discover what that is. I'm not here looking at any of you based on who you were a year ago, four years ago. I'm not here freeze-framing you into what you've always done into the church. What is the new thing that God has for you today? Let's find that. Does that sound good? All right. I'm not trying to scare anybody up in here. What do we learn from these scriptures? Well, Jesus gives me purpose. It's actually very freeing to know that there's purpose for my life beyond just myself. There's freedom in that. Because guess what? If my life blows up in a natural sense, my bank account, my job, my this, that, the other, my degree is no longer worth a darn. Anybody know what that means? Right? My life... If my life blows up, but I'm connected with Jesus in the kingdom of God, there's victory. There's purpose. I'm still valuable. This is free. Number three, Jesus gives me a sense of identity. Great work done on early childhood development and the importance of security, identity, and a sense of belonging. 
That's because God created you to feel those things, know those things, experience those things. In Jesus, you have a sense of identity. Jesus gives me access to God. Jesus is not the filter. He's not the hockey goalie. He's not trying to prevent you. Some people view Jesus as a comedy goalie. God's got a sense of humor, so did Jesus. Jesus had, actually had some snark. He had some kind of harsh sarcasm at times. God's got a sense of humor. Jesus gives you access to the Father. You have an opportunity here now in any moment to speak honestly, directly to the living God. Number five, Jesus gives ability to do good things that matter. You may find somebody come back to you 20 years later and say, you don't know. We had that one conversation and it kept me from killing myself. Maybe you won't have that conversation on earth. Maybe you'll have it in heaven. It might even not be a person that you know. But there was a quick conversation at the bus stop, on the corner, in the neighborhood, at the workplace. A quick conversation. And you might have been one of the only lights in their life. And this is also true of whatever you're designed to do vocationally. God is a builder. God created engineers. God created accountants, thankfully. God created... Hello? You have vocation and your vocation matters. Even the boring stuff. You might look at, I don't know why I have this job. I don't know why I'm doing this thing. But everybody says I'm better, I'm better at it than normal people. Maybe there's some fulfillment there. Maybe there's some sense of, hey, God created me to do this thing. And this thing has value. It has purpose. When Jesus returns, God's going to make new this planet and reveal the city of our God that he's been preparing, and there will be city building and things yet to do. You don't know how your vocation might carry over into the heavenlies. I know some of you, what's he talking about? That's crazy. Hey, we'll open up our Bibles and some good books, and you come to understand what I'm talking about. You have vocation and personal design that matters. God gives, Jesus gives me the ability to do good things that matter. So how should we respond? I just want to close with these suggestions. Well, number one, my suggestion is read these verses at the back of all the Freedom Book. And I have a handout today. Um, can you grab my, the small the shoulder bag over there? I have a handout today so that you can see all the verses on one page. Read these verses and ask yourself what it means. Write out a truth that you now believe as a result. So number one, read the verses and number two, ask yourself, uh, read the verses and ask yourself what it means. And number two, write out a truth that you now believe is a result of this. Number three, live out of a thank you for this truth. Live out of gratitude, not guilt, dead religion and obligation. Live out of a thank you for this truth. Number four, identify a lie that you have been believing. Such as, God is waiting for me to do good works for me to become his masterpiece. Identify a lie that you've been believing. And number five, let this truth inform all your relationships. So get this, if your life is valuable, the life of everyone you see is valuable. Are you with me? Right? No matter how the person 
describes himself, behaves, whatever's going on. Their life has value. Their life has value. So as we learn these truths, identify them, and then live out of a thank you, we have an opportunity for this to inform all of our relationships. So it's very practical. Will you stand with me and let's close in prayer this morning?